Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Gary Armstrong and today I'm joined by Graham Young and Andrew Barge to discuss all the latest from Celtic Park. On the pod today, we reflect on the Hoops' impressive victory at Pitodri last weekend. We'll ask if this midweek's postponed fixture will cause issues ahead of Celtic's Ibrox showdown. The Scottish Cup is on the agenda as we look forward to the quarter-final tie with Greenock Morton. Also, we will talk about potential players of the year with Kieran Tierney, Scott Brown and James Forrest all featuring. So, first off, gents, thanks very much for making it in. I know you've, um, you've been braving the elements just yep. to come in solely for the podcast, as is your commitment to it. Yes, that's true, Gary. Yes. So, we'll start off looking back first. So, the Aberdeen game last weekend, a really impressive performance and result from Celtic. It's put a lot of distance between Celtic and the Dons. That's now a 12-point gap, and this was in the back of their uh, Celtic's defeat in Russia. So, Graham, in general, what did you make of Celtic's performance up in Aberdeen? I thought they were really good. I thought they were excellent. I think there's been a bit of criticism that Celtic almost you know, worked their way through the game and the football wasn't great, but the pitch was terrible, it really was. And I think they were probably aided by Aberdeen's tactics. Uh, I think we spoke last week about Aberdeen have enjoyed any kind of success under McInnes against Rodgers, and parts of the games has been when there's been a high press and it was the exact opposite. They were sitting so deep allowed Celtic players like Cham, even with the pitch being poor, to get on the ball, move it quickly. Uh, at times, obviously, it wasn't perfect. The pitch was never going to allow that to happen. But I thought Celtic were fully deserved their victory. The way they were able to find their way into the game after a really tough time in Russia, and they were just—it was really a, a performance of champions, really. Like it was really showed their their metal for this title and. I think it sent out a signal to the rivals. I, th- I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, and Andy Celtic have had quite a psychological advantage over Aberdeen in, in recent years, and we saw more of the same of that again at the weekend. There, what did you make of it? I think it was a very professional performance. It was necessary that Celtic came back with the three points. I feel it was different slightly to the two games they've had against Aberdeen this season. Um, I'm not sure that Celtic were. Uh, they ran over the top of, of Aberdeen as much as some people are suggesting. I mean, Aberdeen had chances in the first half there that they could have scored from. Stephen May was inches from putting it in the back of the net. They had a couple cleared off the line as well. Um, but I think Celtic um, did deserve the win. Um, it was an important performance, and I think that Tierney celebration at the end summed up just how important it was that Celtic came back down the road with the three points. Yeah, absolutely. Tierney was one of a few talking points throughout the game. Start off, Graham Moussa Dembele back in the score sheet, but yeah. it was all about James Forrest's work down the right and the cross, wasn't it? Uh, the cross was fantastic. It was absolutely top class. Like you just to take out a goalkeeper like that, and for Dembele, who probably needed a goal like that, just a goal where he just head on it and it's in the back of the net. It wasn't too much. Even thinking. you could have put that away. Yeah, well, maybe I don't know. I think it's a bit of a stretch. But uh, earlier on in the first half, Scott Sinclair did very well. Uh, to break free, and he found Dembele. And that the chance he had earlier was the kind of one that he would have finished with ease last season but he took too long with the ball so for him just to be able to put it in the back of the net that was it and he changed his performance and as, ba- as much as Dembele hasn't been at his absolute best uh, the game against Hearts he was very very good uh, the 3-1 game in the tail end of January and he also played very well the home leg against Senate it's not been perfect there's no way you can make an argument that he's playing as well as he did last season but he doesn't have to be the player to score 40 goals I've said this before even if he's just his physicality his strength that's a real 
boost for Celtic when he's playing like that. It changes the complete game. Celtic can go long a bit more. He takes it in very well. Players are working out, uh, working well around him, and I think that was obviously the goal needed. And I think now that uh, a case of touch wood for Celtic fans if he stays fit. I think this could be him until the end of the season, just a real catalyst for more goals and more performances like he, that. He held the, th- the thing with that Dembele goal. It looked like a a simple nod in but there was so much more before it it was all about James Forrest but Dembele held his run so yeah, well to wait well. for it Arneson, Arneson he's half switched off and kept his eye on the yeah. ball and Dembele's one step ahead although uh-huh. being one step behind he's been one step yeah. ahead and just waited for the ball to float and then timed it yeah, perfectly and I think that's probably the one criticism if he's actually played in the last couple of weeks I've done a couple of times and the ball's come in low across the box especially against Zenit well, he's not been there he's not been on target and I think Andrew's correct in saying that he, he did time the wrong perfectly I had to pull apart Mick Gannon and Tony Haggerty the other week on this podcast because yep. they were saying uh, Mick's argument was Dembele's got a lot of goals from hanging back and waiting for the cutback yep. Tony said no he should be in the six yard box uh-huh. so it's maybe just a case of you do what's right for the moment and yeah. obviously what was right then was to get on the end of Forrest's very think, inviting cross. I think it's an old school thing as well where I think if you grew up maybe the 80s, 90s watching football you'd always see strikers run across the front post but now it's more players are kind of hanging about a bit deeper and you're right, the Valleys had a lot of goals in that kind of waiting for the ball to come back to Fletchings and he's been there to tap them in so whatever works for uh, the Valleys a striker and it seems it worked on Sunday anyway. And you mentioned before, Andy, Kieran Tierney's finished that really incredible lightning quick counter-attack spearheaded by Dembele. What did you make of the goal? Um, Michael Gannon described it in his, in his match report as possibly you know, one of the most critical moments of the Scottish Premiership season, that goal going in. Defining, I think. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. Tierney did exactly what this we expect of him now you can see him at the bottom of the TV screen just busting his neck to get in Dembele does so well to hold it when you take a touch it reminded me slightly of remember James McFadden's goal against Ukraine at Hamden with yeah, 2007 or 8 yeah, yeah. we just take a touch set himself yeah. rams it into the yeah, bottom near corner really it, was ab- it was absolutely perfect and the, the celebration when Tierney runs back to the Celtic fans really summed up how important it was like I was saying earlier but yeah definitely a defining moment for Celtic this year Yeah you could tell with the celebration he really is just a, a fan on the pitch isn't he um, There was also another interesting moment that's got a lot of attention Scott Brown crunched with a tackle uh, was it from Cosgrove? Uh, Jaden Stockley was it not? No it's, co- def- it's Cosgrove oh, no, I think we're joking with Jaden they've just liked Jaden Stockley oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> they last year I think Aberdeen fans have seen a player like that before I think yeah, uh, one of these reminiscent moments for Aberdeen fans yeah but it was all about uh, Bruni's reaction wasn't it it was just uh, fantastic it was that, and that's him that's the player he is and I think there's very few players that would have reacted like that and I think it was a total mm. G-up moment for the supporters they'd weathered the storm against Aberdeen obviously a, t- a tough encounter needed the three points after what had uh, happened in Russia and it feels like the players getting back to kind of right this is us now we're going for another title we're really going to focus on that and I think it was just a kind of moment for the supporters would you agree with that? Yeah I think there's a time and a place and it was perfect I mean if if Celtic were one or two down at that point and Scott Brown got up and did that I think there would have been a wee bit of a backlash (laughs) (laughs) but doing it up at Pataudry giving it back to the Aberdeen fans that have been giving it to him for 80 minutes you know it it was something quite special I think and perhaps on a well, on a sour note for Celtic, Mikael Lustig gets sent off and Andy, he's come in for a lot of criticism in the past couple of weeks for his performance throughout the season. There's various yeah. statisticians and so on been looking at where 
Celtic have been conceding goals from and a lot seem to be from that right-hand side. I mean, he signed a new contract last season, I believe, on the back of some really good form. What, what do you make of his performances this season? You used the word sour note there. I would go the opposite way from that. I think it could be a bit of a blessing for Lustig and Celtic that he's not going to be in the team. Um, looks like it now for the, the old firm derby. I, I think Lustig is one of these players that gets away with it because he loves the jersey kind of thing, plays for the fans, plays for the club, despite the fact that he's pretty average in my opinion. Um, I don't think he's a great passer of the ball, I don't think he offers enough going forward and I think he's beaten too easily in his position at right back. In defence of Lustig possibly, he's had to put up with a lot of different players playing beside him at centre-back this season. Yeah. He's had a change of goalkeeper. But he's the issue goes beyond that. Like, there was a game last season, uh, the Hugman A game against Rangers, uh, Barry Mackay, who was flying at the time. He's a, a winger who was obviously up and down at times. I think with Lustig, you could see it then, there was a good winger could go past him with ease. Uh, and that's just kind of... Uh, kept going this season for another 18 months and positionally I think that's his problem at times, I think he's caught sleeping at the back post, you notice it the Stevie May chance on mm. Sunday, that was... And the, there's the third Zenit goal, he was oh, maybe he was caught napping yeah, a bit exactly. as well. And there's been so many kind of examples of that season it's becoming hard to defend at this but, point for him. But who would you, so would you just put Gamboa in it right back? Well, that, that's, 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 that's the problem. problem for me, I think maybe that's why Lustig has switched off so much because there's no realistic competition for him. Gamboa's fast, not sure what else he really brings to the table. Ralston is decent but he's very raw. I think he's still he's got a lot to learn. Yeah. As well. yeah. I, th- I think Lustig is very comfortable without having to exert himself The one could be Jack much. Henry. Jack Henry can play or appears he can play on the right of a free and I think he's played it right back in the past. Looks athletic enough. It's not a, a straight natural fit but he definitely looks like he could play that position. Yeah, yeah. maybe worthwhile throwing, throwing him into the right back position yeah. this weekend in the cup. Um, just to finish in the Aberdeen game then don't know if you saw Brendan Rodgers comments Graham saying that it was quite a defiant um, response that Celtic's rivals have been on holiday um, in in the last few months what do you make of that? Well I I don't I think it's a fair comment to me I think for since Rodgers has been in the job since arriving well over 18 months it's been European football the whole way uh, qualification matches Champions League in the group stage and then obviously this season as well. And to make the group stage on both occasions has been a big effort. But across Scotland, that's not been the case. Teams haven't matches at the same level. And I think he's just making the point that the position Celtic are in right now, it, everyone's talking about title race and so forth. But for Celtic, it's still have an advantage. And with all the European football, now well, it's a, it's a fair playing ground and it's time to go for the rest of the season. And I think he's obviously backing his charges to be able to come out and top and emphatically so. Yeah, maybe a bit of a, a fresh start for them. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you're saying with that. So moving on then, what we were hoping to speak about today was uh, last night's planned fixture um, against Dundee, but obviously that the, the snow's gotten in the way of that. It now looks as if Celtic want to rearrange the fixture for next Wednesday. So what, why is it Celtic want to do that? What's the advantage of getting that game played before the Rangers game? Is it to get a nine-point gap over them going into it, would you say? Yeah, I think that would be 100% uh, be the reason. There's a decent gap of six at the moment. The problem is that that could be cut down to three Rangers are on fire. They've scored more goals than the Celtic this season. They've, they've won eight of their last nine or something. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, uh, there's no reason next week, in my opinion, why Rangers can't beat Celtic for for the first time in a wee while 
um, that Celtic can't afford to let that gap get down to three and it's very important that this fixture against Indies is rearranged to, to prevent that. Yeah, to maybe keep up a bit of momentum as well, albeit they'll have the Scottish Cup game on the Saturday. Another factor is Mikael Lustig, and this again could be a pro or a con, would be suspended for the for the game against Rangers if uh-huh. um, if they play Dundee and Wednesday. Um, so yeah, we touched on it there, and Andy, I don't know what your thoughts are. We Graham and I talked about this in the podcast last week. There's a lot of chat at the moment about the title race being back on uh, with Rangers in form now six points behind what's your feeling on it yeah I, th- I think there is uh, a bit of a title race um, especially with the split being so close now Celtic have, have been the best team in the league this season as proved by the league table I reckon but there's teams in there that have caused Celtic bother Hearts and Kelly it looks like Kelly will get top six Hearts and Kelly have both beaten them Hibs have drawn with them twice and came very close to beating them at, at Easter Road with that last minute uh, off the line by Michael Lustig of all people um, but yeah with those teams that Celtic are going to have to face once more they're going to have to be in the top of their game to make sure that they can win them all and see it through and what's your take on the, the potential game on Wednesday Graham? I mean you could argue that they've got more of a rest ahead of the game against Rangers if that isn't played well, it's all dependent exactly with the weekend's Scottish Cup game as well if that's cancelled then that's ideally you would, you would like the game on Wednesday night yeah. I think in an ideal world, Celtic we playing so many two games in a week or three games in a week at times. I think they would love a week into an old firm game. But uh, after the gap in the point, it's a massive difference. If you've got a nine-point lead when you travel to Ibrox compared to six, it's just a completely different mindset. And yeah. I think it'll make a difference to the, the Rangers fans as well. If you if you think you can win this game and cut the gap to three points, it'll be, it'll be a fantastic atmosphere anywhere. But I think it'll... It would add a completely different level to it if that was the case. If Celtic don't get this fixture point in time, I think next Wednesday could maybe be an opportunity for some attacking players to be given a game before the Rangers match. No, Rodgers just coming back to full yeah. fitness. Roberts isn't far away. He was playing yeah. for the under twenties not too long ago. So I think maybe if this another week from now, if this game against Indies going ahead, uh, Rodgers might think that it's an opportunity to see if they're going to be fit enough to play in what is going to be the biggest game of the season so far. Something else we've touched upon in recent episodes, Andy, is obviously there's been a lot of injury problems with Celtic, but do you feel Brendan Rodgers knows his best 11 at the moment, or, as you say, our place is still very much up for grabs? Yeah, I think that's the case. I don't think... I don't know if there is a best 11 for Celtic at the moment. It's, in, it's been so interchangeable. Um, it's been very unsettled. When Saunders come in, is, is he going to be one of the main men next year? Robert's obviously heading back to City. Sinclair has been a bit up and down was formed despite getting a good amount of goals I don't think many people fans and Rodgers included would be able to agree on a settled best 11 for Celtic at the moment and so looking ahead to uh, this Saturday then I believe it's a 12.30 kickoff, um, home to Martin in the Scottish Cup quarter final um, and it's obviously a chance to get edge closer to that treble for, for Celtic do you see it as plain sailing for, for the Hoops? I mean, I saw Martin on uh, Tuesday night there, uh, 1-0 defeat to Livingston. They've got a lot of injuries themselves. Yep. So you would expect Celtic to come through this, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, Martin, in their recent history, have travelled a couple of times to Celtic Park for Cup games, famously knocked them out the League Cup a couple of years ago. And uh, Celtic actually beat Morton at this stage uh, two years ago when uh, Ronnie Dyler's... Uh, Celtic they're obviously limping through the season then going and lose to Rangers but I think any time you play lower league teams in the cup it's very much the Celtic turn up play at a real tempo they've got obviously got the massive advantage but last season against St Myrne 
uh, they, they struggled for times. St Mirren obviously were showing people they were in a relegation fight, but that form they were showing last year's transcended into this season as well. And they gave Celtic real real problems. I think Morton, if they were on their absolute best, then they could they could do something similar. But you have to imagine Celtic will have too much quality. And there'll be too many players looking for game time, trying to impress before Rangers, potentially Dundee as well. Uh, it could be, I think, Celtic are heavy favourites to advance to semi-finals of the Scottish Cup once again. I mean, Morton have been on a good run of form near the top of the Championship, albeit they lost that game to Livingston there. Andy, you you have a good friend that plays for Morton. Yeah. Have, you, have you had a chance to speak to him ahead of the game against Celtic? He's been pretty quiet about it, actually, has Tam. Time aware. He's uh, been pretty quiet about it. Um, I know that they're very focused. They've been affected by the weather this week. Um, I know that training has been um, off a couple of times. Um, I, I hope that Tam, from a friendly point of view with him, doesn't let his mistake in the last game affect him. He let Griffiths score uh, very easily in the last game. He's mentioned that, saying that you know the team are going to be more focused and they're not going to let Celtic through as easily, hopefully, from, from their point of view. Um, I, I don't see them beating Celtic though. Yeah, well, maybe they can sort of learn from their experience yeah. of a couple of years ago. They're not going into it as, you know, um, as raw as they might be if they hadn't played them recently. What about Celtic's team then? Um, again, it's ifs, buts, and maybes, depending on when the Dundee game will be, but is it easy to guess at what Rogers' team might be, or is it? No, I think it's easy to guess if, if, if I was a. Uh, Brian Rodgers I would play my, my strongest team yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think it, it absolutely has to be done um, at what's at stake here it's Scottish Cup quarter final um, it's not Betfred group stages it's, it's something that's really important the fans are going to want to see a performance ahead of the game against Rangers next week yeah and it's uh, as I said it's all in the quest for the treble Graeme so do you, you agree it needs to be a strong team and yeah I, th- I think so I think there's Brian Rodgers always tries to name as, as strong a team as possible the only time is the league games that have uh, happened after European away games that's something's been freshened up but I think it will be a strong team I think there's players in Cham last week at Aberdeen he's becoming really really important to the way Celtic yeah. play he's, I, I've said this a couple of times early on it was you could tell there was a, a really good player there but it was a lot of Hollywood passes he's got such a clear understanding of what his job is as a Celtic midfielder now and he's one player next week who I think uh, when he travels to Ibrox that'll be a real acid test for him because he'll be coming up against a good Rangers midfield but imagine he'll play in midfield imagine maybe if Marvin compares that he'll play at the back uh, they'll be looking to get minutes for key players I think the belly most likely start again Edward it's definitely improved in recent weeks I think his hold up plays much better but he would still favour Dembele to start he needs game time he needs to score goals weekly mm-hmm. and uh, I think it will be a strong lineup. I would imagine it will be especially at the late stage of this competition so we'll, we'll crack on with your favourite part of the show, Graham. It's prediction time. Oh, love you, it. You love this. So yes. what's the score going to be in the Scottish Cup quarter final? Celtic will beat Morton 4-1. Andy? 3-0 to Celtic. OK, fairly conclusive there. Um, before we go on to the last section where we're going to look at possible players of the year, I just wanted to touch upon a story from the start of the week about Brendan Rodgers linked with a possible move to Arsenal. Um, again, a lot of managers were on that list. I believe Yogi Lowe was one of the front runners. Like Yogi Bear there. Yogi Bear. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe he'd do a better job than Arsene Wenger at the moment. But Yogi Hughes <laughs> after taking himself <laughs> for Scotland. Exactly. <laughs> taking himself for Arsenal. Um, do you see it happening, Graham? Uh, I don't think it's as unrealistic as some might think. I remember when Rodgers left Liverpool, Wenger 
uh, wax lyrical about Rogers or Manu's. I think if it was one of the harshest sackings at the time, especially how close he'd managed. And to be fair, Rogers, there was a game at Anfield where he absolutely blew Arsenal out the water when they were all going for the title. Yeah, it was uh, about 4-0 up after. Yeah, uh, that was oh, yeah. Liverpool, their absolute pomp. Rogers had Suarez, Sturridge, Coutinho, Sterling, they were just running them out and everyone that uh, travelled to Anfield at the time. And I think Rogers. At times, maybe in English football and social media kind of generation, gets mocked sometimes for some of the Bean Liverpool documentaries. But in terms of his coaching chops or credentials, he's he's highly regarded, and I think he'd be quite a good fit for Arsenal. Actually, as a, as a manager, I know Celtic fans wouldn't want to hear that, but I think there's players there who, especially the younger players as well, coming through. Like I think Arsenal for a while. I don't know why under Wenger, eh, there's been a lot of players maybe playing five, ten games and then disappearing. Someone like a Wobi looks at a player that eh, Rogers would get something out of. Uh, but I think I think there's a lot of names as you said, uh, Jardim at Monaco, uh, as you said, and Enrique Lewis and there's a lot of these all these big names, big names as well. Yeah. Uh, I think ideally, probably Rogers would like to take South a bit further in Europe as well. But I think he's definitely a candidate, and I could see exactly why I think he would fit the the style of Arsenal. And if he was able to get uh, Arsenal playing the football that he managed at Liverpool in the year they only won the league, then the fans would absolutely love it because that's. Exactly what Arsenal have missed. I think they've been a bit static at times, and I don't know if you agree, Andrew. I, I do. I mean, Arsenal have got a great forward line. Um, I, I think that that's what Rogers thrives upon as yeah. a manager. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to succeed with him. He's a quality coach and he instills belief in his players. Mm-hmm. One that I always remember at Liverpool was that game against Man City. They won 3 2 when they were going for the title. Yeah, that was, like, yeah, yeah. It was a phenomenal performance uh-huh. against Man City that day. And, it is true, I think if it wasn't for Stephen Gerrard slipping, Liverpool would have went on and won the league and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. But I, I don't see any reason why Arsenal wouldn't want to consider him as a replacement for Wenger if Wenger goes. So, devil's advocate then, Andy. Celtic win the treble uh, again this year and the Arsenal board call up Brendan Rodgers at the end of the season. Does he take it? It depends what his motivation is. I think if if it's financial, then yeah, he would. But I, th- I do agree with Graham as well that I think he would like to spend more than just two seasons at Celtic. He spoke about that when he arrived. He wasn't just here to as a gap filler before he goes back down south. So we'll see if that rings true. Uh, I think that if Arsenal offered Rodgers the job, he wouldn't take it at the moment. No. Okay, still plenty to yeah. do at Celtic. I think it's probably the one job in England. A level of stability. Obviously, Wenger's been there since 1996. But at the same time, you risk, as much as Wenger hasn't been flying in recent years, he's still been able to win trophies, FA Cup, three times the last four, four seasons. But I think with Rodgers, there's that risk of being almost a David Moyes candidate, where yeah. he plays like a long-standing figure. To say it doesn't work instantly, there's not going to be the same level. Even though it's Wenger out now, there's still so much respect and admiration yeah. for the job that Wenger's been able to do at Arsenal. That all, you know what I mean, with Arsenal fan TV, it gets magnified. But Rodgers would need to be very careful, I think, if he did take the job, that he made a very good start, because I don't think he would have the same level of sympathy if things weren't going well on the park. Whereas he's worshipped as a hero. Exactly, that's the thing so as well. And why give that up? Exactly. I think there's... I think... Like it's been mentioned before, I think Ian McGarry said in the past as well that I think the motivation for Rogers, I think as a coach, I think it could take him anywhere. I think he could go to Spain or abroad. He's always spoken about his desire to work abroad, and I think that's still probably is as likely a next destination as maybe Arsenal as well. But he obviously has a lot of top names in the mix of the job. If, uh, so. if Rogers did go to Arsenal, I think that's where we'd see Keaton Tierney end up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'd be a perfect fit there. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so moving on to the, the the last section of today's podcast, we're getting towards. It's still a, a, a long way in the season to go, but we're getting towards player of the year time. And when I was just having to think about it the other day, there's got to be three clear Celtic candidates for it. Maybe some more that you'd like to add. But first name the list I've got is Scott Brown. Yes. What do you think of his performances this season, Groom? Uh, I think he's been as good this season as he's been any season. I think he was the driving force last season, invincible treble and all that came with it, but at times Celtic have been ordinary, really have, and games really slow, and I think Brown, his ability to drive his team on and get results, I think the age he is now in his early 30s, I think his passing's excellent, his desire, his mo- everything about his play, it's as good today as it's ever been in his career. And I think he is the kind of obvious candidate. I think James Forrest as well. I think as maybe who you're going to touch on next, but I think Brown's a definite, definitely should be in the mix this season. It isn't a lifetime achievement award, or I know he's won the I think the writers award in the past, but I think he's form. I think he's still the premier uh, midfield on Scottish football. Yeah, arguably far. the most consistent. Yeah, Celtic if, if Scott Brown doesn't perform, Celtic don't perform. That's what my opinion is. He is the glue that holds that team together. I noticed that the St. Johnson game, we're not playing against St. Johnson instantly. That's you start to wonder you go. McGregor obviously come back off the good game against any you're hoping, but Celtic just needed Brown that day. Celtic have got great centre mids, but none of them have got that edge that Scott Brown has got to his game, and it just it does like you're exactly saying drives the whole team on. I think he's absolutely pivotal. And just on, Scott Brownie announced his international retirement again uh, this week. Surely it's a benefit to Celtic. Ben, yeah, I mean, he's not going to be going on these end-of-season jollies for Scotland friendlies. He's not going to have to worry about qualifiers in the autumn. Um, I, th- I think it's bad news for Scotland. I, I'm not going to listen to anyone that says it's a good thing for Scotland that Scott Brown's retired. They'll say, oh, where's he ever taken the national team? But he's a, he's a brilliant player. Um, and I think Scotland will do well to find a captain. Some of his best performances, some of his best performances, his career have been for Scotland. Honestly, and I even think go back to the George Burley time. That's a long time ago now. A free man midfield, he was excellent then. Come back for Gordon Strachan, be a massive loss for Scotland. Yeah. And there's there is decent good midfielders coming through, but there's we're talking here about there's good midfielders at Celtic, but they're not the same team when Scott Brown doesn't play. Yeah, someone who's as important in the dressing room for Scotland as well. Yeah, People are talking about James MacArthur being able to uh, replace Scott Brown in that role permanently, but what's the importance of Scott Brown to the Scotland team is that he's got a winning mentality playing with Celtic. He's not playing in a lower league uh, premiership team in England that's losing most weekends. He knows how to win. And I feel like losing a player that's got that is... I think that's really true about knowing how to win but also big Scotland games are very similar to big Celtic games mm. Champions League nights Scott Brown's you know and he's bought the t-shirt for that he's been involved in yeah. so many big games and I think that's right that getting the players right in the tunnel pre-match saying the right things and uh, before the game yeah. I think you can't replace that that's, that's no one that fits the mould that's yeah. even similar that Celtic core have proved to be so important in the Scottish resurgence recently and losing Brown's probably the worst one that we could lose from a Scotland point of view yeah. So the next player I had on the list for a potential Player of the Year nomination was Kieran Tierney, who underlined his importance for Celtic at the weekend. Has he had his best season in a Celtic shirt this year for you, Graham? No, but I don't think that's any slight. I think since he came back from his injury last January, he's just been playing non-stop. And I think at times he's changed as well. Defensively, I think he's... He's never, it's never the side Celtic's problems come down I think defensively he's got even better and I think when you watch maybe Andy Roberts not Liverpool and he's 
gallivanting up down the left hand side constantly. I think Tierney's still, I've noticed recently he's he's happy, he sometimes gets set and he tries to kind of check back sometimes with the ball. He looks really uh, keen now to just run past players with speed. Yeah. He's used that against Zen and Aberdeen, and that's, I think that bodes well for Celtic. It's not been a flawless season for Tierney, but he's still the best young Scottish player to emerge in a long, long time. And his whole body shape, he's. I was going to say, he's, he's, he's bumped up. Hasn't yeah, he's, he's changed. I think he's changed as a player, and I think working with a guy like Rogers, I think he's setting him up for the rest of his career. I don't think it's just playing in Scotland. I think this is a player who's got to play wherever he wants to play in the rest. Of it. But I think form wise, game to game, it's probably it's not quite the same level maybe as a player like Scott Brown this season. What about uh, what's your feelings on? Do you think Tierney will be a possibly on the list? I mean, as I said, there are are still some games to go. He, he will be up there, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? He's not been at the same level as he was last year. He's for the whole Celtic squad, I reckon. I mean, Tierney's one of many that have just struggled to live up to that yep. season last year. But, I mean, I, I don't think by any means that means he's had a bad No, no, year. no. I think he's no. he's been a, a top player for Celtic again and he probably will be up there on the list. And the final name I've got is James Forrest. Um, he's potentially a front-runner for, for any Player of the Year awards. If you think back... Uh, as far as last summer to even Rosenberg I believe uh, it was yeah. it was him that hit that crucial goal in the away leg there and he's just kind of carried on since then yeah. he had a, his first hat-trick recently um, and as we saw at the weekend great set-up play for the yeah. Dembele goal he's been doing that all, all season really yeah, yeah. I think the uh, two-year evolution of James Forrest is incredible when Brendan Rodgers arrived at Celtic Forrest would have been one of the first names that you would imagine would maybe be for for the way out and on think, the envelope oh I, I think exactly on the envelope yeah I think that's a perfectly good description but he hasn't He's because the injuries were so severe and they were, they were crippling to the way he played as well with muscle injuries and he just from the early Neil Lennon years to the, the arrival of, of Rodgers uh, it just didn't look that he's, he would ever fulfil his potential the last two seasons last year he was fantastic like he gets so underrated because obviously Sinclair and Roberts and mm. their performances but this season Honestly, Celtic, you see a nine-point gap. If James Forrest had missed the whole season, it might not be that. He's been a player yeah. who's created plenty of chances, scored more goals this season than he ever has before. I think he would be a fully deserving winner of the award this year. And obviously there's external candidates as well for other teams. And But I think James Forrest, as much as Brown, could be a real leading light for the award for Celtic. He had a habit of going missing quite a lot, James Forrest. Yeah. The, the term I would have used to describe him would have been flashes of brilliance. Uh-huh. Um, 175 games but this season he's just popping up when it matters when Celtic needs somebody to, to score a goal or to deliver that assist he's the one that's there to do it he's the one that's wanting the ball driving down the line directing himself at goal and he's been fantastic yeah it's really and I think the Zenit game the two games obviously the way like wasn't as good but he was able to really times in Europe you always I think more than any any other Celtic player in recent years that he was almost against the really top teams he would kind of level out you know he'd be really Maybe not hide a bit. But no, I don't think hide before us. Honestly, I think I just think you would notice that the players that he would beat on a week to week basis, not like Premiership level, maybe couldn't quite transcend to Europe. But against Zenit, mm-hmm. I thought he stayed in the game both games. Even though I thought he saved his best player away. I know it was a tough game. I was really surprised when they took him off. Yeah. I thought he was the one that yeah. was making the Shaman Forrest were the two players that looked in it. It was obviously a big ass to come back in that. But I think that's the mark of James Forrest. I think that's who he's become for Celtic I think he's someone for all weather stands up to the big games and it's been so vital for Celtic he's, he's a confidence player and, and, and with consistency comes confidence yep. that's what it comes down to for me he knows what he's got 
he, he knows the ability that he's got and now he's got the, the mental strength to, to go with it yep. yeah he seems a lot more keen to just run at players mm-hmm. under Rodgers last year and even more so this season yeah. Even and in Europe, that performance against Bayern Munich at home. Oh, he, brilliant! He, unfortunately, for exactly. Celtic, they, they, they didn't deliver uh, a uh-huh. point or three. But I was fantastic. He was, he was I think phenomenal. that's the level he's getting to now. I think yeah. that really is. I think uh, you're, back, uh, you're spot on with that. I think that's that was an excellent performance, and I think he's carried that on throughout the season. So is he being Celtic's best player this season? Uh, I'll in, say. In, you take Brown. I'll take Forrest. I, I think in patches, yes, but overall, Scott Brown. Okay, I think just maybe the development of Forrest deserves praise because. I think he really has transformed as a player. I think he deserves all the accolades that come his way maybe at the end of the season. Excellent. Okay, we'll round it up there this week. Thanks for joining us, Graham, and thanks as well, Andy, for joining us on an emergency loan signing. We'll maybe (laughs) look towards a permanent deal after your performance today. We'll be back next midweek. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.